In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. It's good to be home. We had a wonderful time. Uh, first visiting some old friends in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Had a great time with Father John and Janet Henderson and that community there. Community that came in with us, uh, their sister churches really to us. Came with us back in 1987, the Orthodox Church. That was a very wonderful time with them. And then uh, the convention was very, very encouraging. Ministries of the Archdiocese are very strong. Uh, the Brotherhood is very much uh, strong and um, committed to live the faith. It's a very beautiful thing to see. So I just want to encourage you with that. It's a very wonderful, it was a very wonderful time. Very encouraging on both sides. So uh, just thought that was uh, a wonderful time. A little tired to try to get over all the uh, jet lag and other things. But uh, we were spoiled rotten in Mississippi, by the way. We ate so much food. It was great. So today's homily on the text in St. Matthew you know, we kind of chuckle a bit sometimes when we read this text about um, the Lord casting the demons into the swine, you know, and then they run into the water and die. But what I want to encourage or to encourage us to see today is this, that evil is real. And evil is destructive. The goal of evil is to destroy you, to remove you, to separate you from God and to kill you. That's its goal. Death. So we have to understand that this is a real enemy. That when we step into this evil place and we accept the evil things, that its goal is destruction and death and separation from God. We've all felt that. We've all been in places where we know that that's what's going on in us. And the goal for us is to flee that, is to run from that, but run to Christ. The beauty of this is that goodness is more powerful than evil. Good always wins. Remember that. Good always wins. If you turn to the goodness, it always defeats the evil. Goodness is from God. Goodness is eternal. Evil is temporary. When you think about it, goodness has an eternal divine quality to it that can defeat anything. Think about this. When you come into a dark room, it's dark, right? How do, you defeat the, how do you defeat the darkness? You turn on the light. And what happens to the darkness? It's defeated. We must understand this, that when we turn to God and draw near to God and use the weapons God gives to us, those weapons defeat evil. It's a guarantee. Love defeats hatred. Humility defeats pride. It's an automatic uh, win. S diligence defeats slothfulness. And on and on and on. And we'll get into that a bit. So I want to encourage us, one, this evil is real. But the goodness we have in Christ defeats this evil one. So for us, we need to understand and, 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 and to deal with this. We hear in Romans, 
we overcome evil, not with evil, but we overcome evil with good. That's an automatic. We overcome evil with good. We confess and we are saved, it says in our epistle reading. Confess and we are saved. Confess and we are saved. When we move to God, God saves us. This is, this is uh, the power of the divine. We're stepping into something beyond our humanity. To the very power of God that saves us and removes us from these evil things. So, um, the other thing I want to point out in introduction is, evil only exists if we let it. Evil exists because of a choice. Evil exists because we choose it. When we don't, when we choose the good, evil is defeated. We must understand this, that when we have an evil situation or a difficult situation in ourselves, in our life, we can choose to remove ourselves from it by choosing the good path, the good thought, the good word, the good deed. <clears throat> so let's move on from here. So if we are to understand that evil is a, is a real enemy, we need to learn this virtue. This virtue is called vigilance, watchfulness. You know, there's a great story in the Old Testament when Nehemiah takes the people of Israel back to build the temple. They've been away from Jerusalem, and the temple is destroyed, and uh, all the enemies are rejoicing because Israel is no longer a power in the world. So King Cyrus of Persia tells the Israelites to go back home. Nehemiah leads the path, leads the charge back, and they start building the temple. They start rebuilding the temple. And the enemies hear about this. The evil enemies hear about this, and they're not happy. So they decide to attack Israel. So Nehemiah says this. Take your trowel, but also put in your back your sword. Because when the enemy comes, and we're watchful of that enemy, we need to get down from the wall and fight the enemy. So this is, our, this is what we're to do. We live life. We step into life. We walk out into life. But we have to have on our belt the sword of virtue to defeat that enemy. Because as you do know, evil comes to tempt you. Evil comes and it leaps up and gets you. And your thoughts and temptations of words or temptations of deeds. So we need to, we need to understand that we have to pull out this sword this sword to defeat this enemy of evil that comes to us. So, be watchful. Watch and pray, says the Lord. Be watchful in all things, says St. Paul to Timothy. So how are we to deal with this? <clears throat> There's three ways that we practice virtue. There's three ways that we sin. In thoughts, words, and deeds. So the first attack of the evil one, the evil, is to come at us through our thoughts. You know, there's a great line in the church fathers that says, bad thoughts strike the heart, engender desire, bring disorder, result in gloom, and cause evil. I'll go over that again. Bad thoughts strike the heart, engender desire, bring disorder, have you ever felt that? Result in gloom. Have you ever been gloomy? 
and they cause evil. If we were to reverse that, good thoughts strike the heart, engender a good desire, and result in peace and cause harmony. See? So the good thought can take us in a different direction. So when these thoughts come to us, I want to encourage you in this, that you need to have virtuous swords. And you need to identify the thoughts that come to you and then pull the right sword out and defeat that enemy. When you have a thought of pride, I'm a special person. I'm a wonderful guy. I'm a great priest. You know, I, do, I give really neat homilies. The sword of humility comes out. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Just slice that pride right off of there. Slice it off. Thanks be to God for any gift I might have. Thanks be to God. It's not of myself. It's of God. So we can turn to humility and defeat pride. There's, um, if we have a thought, and this is an interesting thing to me. You know, we are bombarded by visual temptations of lust in this society. Visual temptations. Bombarded. You can hardly go anywhere, turn on anything, Listen to anything without being bombarded by lust. You need to understand and, under, and how to use the sword of chastity. You know where I, where I have my most success? It's right here. As I imprint that image of the mother of God in me. Purity, chastity, calmness. Calms, my, calms me down. It, it defeats that enemy. Say if we have, we're, we're envious or discontent. We need to defeat that with the virtue of thanksgiving. God is a blessed God. How many things has he done good for me? I will tell you this. If you make a list of all the things God has done good for you, it will sur- far surpass the things that are difficult. Far surpass it. So we need to use those things to defeat the enemy. And just as a kind of a personal testimony, um, I don't know about you, but where I get attacked the most is at night. I don't know if that's where you get attacked, but I get attacked there. So I have three weapons. One is a prayer rope. And I go to sleep with it around my wrist, so if I wake up, I grab it. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on a person. Or Lord Jesus Christ, some God of mercy on a circumstance. I turn that thought into prayer. That's a weapon, a virtuous weapon to defeat that enemy that attacks you. The other thing is sometimes that doesn't work. Because I'm stubborn or whatever. It's not because the prayer didn't work, because I didn't. Something's wrong with me. I have a book. And... uh, As my wife does not like this, but sometimes I just click the light on and I start reading. But I I exit the thought. The thought is destructive. It's bringing disorder. It's causing gloom. I just read a book. It could be a spiritual book. It could be the Holy Scriptures. It could be anything. But I got to get away from the thought. That's very important to us to understand there's a leap we make. 
The other thing, and you'll be, maybe you won't be surprised at this. The saints say that you can divert the thoughts. And so I have a diversion. I replay the last round of golf I played. Shot for shot. Kind of crazy, huh? But I tell you, it gets me away. It pulls me right away from the thought and puts me into a place. It's normally on a very good round, so I have to fight depression. But I lose that one thought. You need to understand that these are great weapons against the enemies of thoughts that bring disorder, result in gloom, and cause evil. You have to have them. Practice them. Be ready for them. Put an icon next to your bed. Something. You have to jump away from the thoughts. But when you move to the good, you will defeat it. You will defeat it. Okay. So, the next problem we run into in terms of evil is our, this little thing right here. Called the tongue. St. James says, he's pretty nasty about this. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest fire it will kindle. It's true. And the tongue is a fire, a word, world of iniquity. The tongue is set, so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. You know, we even say that in the Psalms. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth and a protecting door about my lips. See, David even knew this. Protect this. Protect it. Be very careful of what comes out. You know, I tried to practice this not very well, but when I, I'm thinking about saying something, I want to think about what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it, when I'm going to say it, and then I ask the question, should I say it at all? And you know what happens a lot of times? That fourth one is the one that works. You know, it's interesting, the saints teach that to control the tongue, you need to eliminate excessive talk. Practice listening and silence. That's how the tongue gets tamed. You eliminate excessive talk, which means you have to, you have to think, and then what? Talk. You know what happens a lot of times? We talk and then think. We start talking. Who's talking? We get into the talking. Talk, 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 talk. The more you talk, the more you sin. It's the reality. We know this. I'm not saying anything to surprising anybody. You know, that's why silence is such a gift. Just quietness. Quietness. Don't need to speak. Don't need to speak. You know, St. John Chrysostom says there's two ways to defeat anger. One is that when it... One is don't let it rise up in you. The other is, if it does, don't open your mouth. Two victories. Don't let it get in. If it's in, keep that mouth shut. 
How many times have you opened your mouth in anger, and as you're talking, you're saying, I shouldn't be saying this. I shouldn't talk like this. I shouldn't be doing this. See? You have to be vigilant. What am I going to say? How am I going to say it? When am I going to say it? Do I need to say it at all? Give yourself some time. Give yourself some time. I'll share a story with you about this. I was engaged in an argument with a deacon who's no longer here. I don't think that's the reason he's no longer here, but (laughs) I don't think so. And we had been kind of arguing about a certain thing, and I saw him one day coming down the street, and uh, I I had, as you do, and I do too, I had my arguments all ready for him. I had already prepared that days ahead. So next time I see him, this is what I'm going to say. Boom, boom, boom. Because I know I can win. I've got this thing put away. I can, I'm going to bury him with these thoughts. I'm going to win this argument. Okay, so he's coming down the street. And then some wasn't a voice. But I had been reading in the lives of the saints that when you come to a place like this, you should back off and let the other person have the victory. I went, no. I mean, I got this thing done. I'm, I'm a winner. So I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm right. So I said, you know, beloved deacon, forgive me. And he turned around right away and says, no, no, Father, forgive me. The whole thing ended. That darkness of an argument turned to light. I was talking to a priest friend, and he said, he's got a new principle of life. If it's not a principle, yield. If it's not a principle, yield. Very powerful. You don't need to be, you don't need to win arguments. You don't need to have your opinion out in front all the time. You can yield. If it's not a principle, yield. So we need to defeat the enemy in our words. And finally, deeds. You know, um, God loves unity. God loves people to dwell together in peace. That's why in this liturgy, every Sunday, we stand up and say, Christ is in our midst, and he is and ever shall be. That's a, that's a sign of I'm reconciled. Not just to your people here, but to everyone. I'm reconciled to everyone. Because God loves people to dwell in unity. You know, the Psalms are, are rich with this. That, that, the, that God rejoices when people dwell together in unity. And it's interesting because there's a, there's when, the, when, the, when the priest puts on his toll, he says, blessed are God who uh, adorns his, uh, who, who grants grace upon his priest as oil upon the head, which flows down upon the beard, is upon the beard of Aaron, which flows down to the hem of his garment. You know what verse precedes that? It's a delight when brothers dwell together in unity. That's the, that's the verse that precedes the verses that the priest says when he puts on his vestments, when he puts on his stole. What a powerful thing. We need to understand that forgiveness and reconciliation are at the heart of the Christian life. 
If you're not forgiving people, if you're not reconciled, you need to work on those things. At least be facing that direction. You know, you can't be at peace with everybody all the time. I get that. Especially me. <laughs> you can't be at peace with me all the time. But you should be facing that direction. Asking God to help you. Praying for the person. Praying for the situation. Whatever it might be. You need to work on this. It is the Christian life. How many times does the Lord say, forgive, forgive, forgive? And then the complaint is, well, you're always offending me. What's the Lord say? You need to forgive 70 times 7, which means forever. You just have to keep doing this. This is what we do as Christian people. We reconcile and live in forgiveness. What a powerful spirit that is. So we need to work on that. Let me finish, too, by just this. Every day, in regard to deeds, I would encourage you to pay attention to how many good deeds God places before you every day. How many opportunities you have to do a good deed, to say hello to somebody, to help a stranger, to say I love you, to say I forgive you. How many times a day, I want you to look through, as you walk through this day, how many opportunities God has you to sow a little bit of heaven. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to toss heaven around this earth by goodness, by good deeds. There's, there is a multitude of deeds that are good that God places before us every, every day. Pay attention to it. A piece of paper on the ground. Pick it up, throw it in the trash. You sow a little bit of heaven. Saying hello to a stranger, helping, uh, helping somebody in need, calling a friend you haven't talked to, writing a letter, emailing somebody you haven't seen, saying a good thing to someone ill. There's so many good things that God puts before us. May we do them. May I do them. May we sow, beloved, a little bit of heaven by our deeds and refrain from sowing any of that other stuff. So, may we overcome evil with good in both thoughts, words, and deeds. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.